0: Well, my name is Jonathan Cheh, as Brian said, and I'm the director of high school ministries here. And if I haven't met you yet, I would absolutely love to uh, and hear your story and hear a little bit about you. And I'd love to share a little bit about my story as well. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. At the age of 13, my parents divorced and my mom um, decided she was going to go back to church, though she did grow up in the church. And because of that, she dragged me along for three years. And every year she would ask me, would you want to go to church camp? course, every year I said no, and so at the age of 16, she said, hey, by the way, I signed you up. (laughs) Little did I know that the Lord was working on my heart for those three years, and I gave my life to the Lord at that church camp. The following year at 17, I went on my own volition and decided uh, that there was a call on my heart to ministry, and since then, uh, it's been amazing. I have uh, did what every high school graduate did. Uh, when he goes off to college and does the four-year plan at community college, right? So that's what I thought I was going to do. was going to be a history major and realized I didn't want to teach. Later on, I found out I wanted to teach just the Bible. Uh, and so after four years, I ended up doing a uh, biblical study tour in 2008. Um, and there I am. And during that season of my life, the God, <laughs> laughing at the Calvinism. <laughs> All right. God got hold of of my heart, and that's where I knew that I was supposed to go into ministry, uh, although I already knew it, it was time for me to get serious about it, and so I went into uh, Sac State, Uh, I loved apologetics, Christian apologetics, and so I became uh, a philosophy major, and since a large pizza had something over a philosophy degree that it could actually feed a family, uh, because a philosophy major cannot, uh, with his degree, um, I ended up going into uh, seminary and got my master's of religion with an emphasis in um, church leadership. And it's been phenomenal. I love youth ministry. I've been involved in college ministries and high school ministries and junior high ministries. Um, Here's a couple photos from uh, past uh, and present. Um, Over six years that I've been involved in vocational youth ministry and I absolutely love it. I love working with our youth. There's no greater joy for me than to see the light bulb go off in a student's head that says I love Jesus and I want to know more of what it means to follow him and to have a relationship with him. And one of those activities that we get to do every year that I'm so excited about is to go to Hume Lake Christian Camps. Have any of you guys ever been to Hume Lake before or ever seen or heard about? Just a few of you, okay. Well, Hume Lake, let me describe it. There we go, there's some of my students. Uh, Hume Lake is an amazing place. It takes students away up into the the mountains of Kings Canyon where there's no cell phone service. (laughs) Praise God, right, praise God. No cell phone service where all they have is a Bible, they're friends, and, and amazing God conversations throughout the week. And I'd love to share some pictures with you about uh, what we experienced up at Hume Lake. Our theme this year was Let's Rock. Now, I thought it was an 80s theme, so I showed up as Angus Young, you know, but it was actually like poodle skirts from the 50s, so I looked a little weird. Uh, but we had actually a, a huge uh, amount of fun and, and blast doing it, as you can see through some of our church time photos. Uh, uh, some of our students engaging in our church worship time and uh, playing some games in Memorial Chapel here. Um, our guys decided we were going to take our really cool photo together, so i don 't know why I decided to have a mustache, but there I am in the front, but there is our our Fremont high school i'm sorry, our Center Point high school guys. Um, how awesome are they? but of course, uh, we only had the idea because the ladies wanted to do it first <laughs> uh, that's right. Uh, Awesome ladies there. And that we do have a tradition, or at least there is a tradition at um, Hume Lake Christian Camps is that during the middle of the night, there seems to be this tradition of students running off in the darkness trying to find the camp bell and ringing it at one in the morning and of course the camp counselors all come running out and there's golf carts and 30 of them that swarm descending like locusts from you know the exodus or whatever onto these students trying to find them and i was told this year that not a single student has ever gotten away from their swarming on them from ringing the bell well we decided that, well i don't know who decided some camp leader from center point uh, you know some youth pastor decided of the high school division i don't know who that would be but he decided or yeah, he decided uh, that we were going to charge the bell at one in the morning and get caught. So uh, there we are. If you can see it, uh, we're doing some jumping jacks as our punishment. Uh, we had, we had an, <laughs> a lot of fun. So uh, there it is at, at one in the morning. Um, a new tradition, I think. A new tradition. No, Abby's giving me no. We're going to do it anyway. Hey! Hey! <laughs> Hey, and every year we have uh, recreation, and recreation is a huge activity that goes on all week. Uh, 26 teams that are participating. Every church gets divided. If 1,000 students gets divided into 26 team teams, and our church, one of our cabins, actually won the championship, which is actually really rare. It's awesome, Yeah. And so if you see the championship t-shirt that they're wearing uh, today or sometime other at church, just congratulate them, that is a really difficult task. Of course, why we're actually there at Hume Lake is um, for hearing about the gospel. And our guest speaker this year was a guy by the name of Aaron Miller. And Aaron, every night, got to preach on a different subject about what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. One of the nights he talked about the process of sanctification. It means uh, of being transformed and molded by the person of Christ. We talked about the importance of the church body, of what it means to have a relationship with each other and how that helps edify the church and build each other up in times of need and in struggle. The last day we talked about persecution. That if you are a Christian, you will struggle with persecution because the world hates you because it hates Christ first. But yet we have strength and power because we know the person of Christ who gives us strength. But the one thing that was different this year, among all the other years, though this was my first time, I've been to Hume Lake many years, was the the leader of the camp, his name is Johnny. And Johnny had decided that instead of doing the Gospel night, which was on Thursday night, which was always been on Thursday night, Every time I've gone to Hume has always been on Thursday night. That the students would have an entire week of hearing about the gospel. On Thursday, they'd be presented with the gospel. Friday would be an amazing wreck day. And then Saturday, they would go home. And Johnny saw that this was creating a culture that students were raising their hands or standing up and then basically leaving. That there were no follow-up that was happening in their relationship with God. And so he decided to move that to monday and so that students would be able to wrestle with that to wrestle what it means to follow christ throughout the week and and hear more of the messages and build themselves up so that when they came down off the mountain they would be able to be whole uh, they would strong they would hold strong and stand firm in the lord and know what that means and i absolutely love that he has a quote here that i wanted to read for you There are those of us in the Christian church that have come to believe that by simply raising a hand or standing up, we have become radically changed and saved by Christ. Yet all the while, nothing in our lives seems to be different than who we were before and the new person in Christ we claim to be. I don't know if that's true of you, but that was something that he saw at Hume. That was something that I have seen in our students, not particularly our students here, but when I began to talk to some of the youth pastors at the camp, they were astonished that some of the students that they were talking to said, I couldn't believe it. I thought all I had to do was raise a hand. and just believe. I didn't have to do anything else. And yet, he also continues on and says, yet the chief characteristic of a Christian is who is truly converted is in the way that they continue to grow in their love for each other and their love for Christ. And that's the great commandment, isn't it? we're going to talk about the great commandment today. And my challenge to you is to not hear it with deaf ears, but to, but to really dive deep into what this actually means. Because it's so important. It's a command from Christ. Some of, the, some of the statistics today of Christianity says that two out of three Christians say that it is better to share your faith by the way you live rather than to speak about it. That was the last year by Barna Research Group, and yet, the same exact study said that US survey of adults who don't attend church, not even on holidays, found that 72% of of the church is full of hypocrites. That is, people who say they are Christian, but then don't act it out. But yet, we think it's better to act it out than say anything. And yet, in that same study, 78% of people said that they would be willing to listen to somebody who would share with them the gospel of Christianity. Is it really a surprise that 55% of those attending church at least once a month have never had a born again experience? Is this a problem? Is this really a problem within the Christian church? Well, I think it is. I think it's affecting not only just our youth, but I think it's affecting the Christian church in general. And I think the, pro- the heart of the matter is in the matter of the heart. The heart of the matter is in the matter of the heart. Today's scripture I want to bring your attention to comes from 1 John chapter 3, verses 16 through 18. This is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. And I think we all know that. I think we have all heard of the gospel before. I think we all accept that. I think this is what Jesus did, right? This is how he came and he died and he paid the punishment for our sins and if we accept and believe in him, we will not die but have everlasting life, right? This is John 3, 16. This is very powerful and when we accept this, there are angels in heaven that are rejoicing and praise God, that's amazing. But it cannot stop there. That God commands us to move forward in the process of sanctification and in, in our love. He says, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother and sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions or in tr- and in truth. I think many of us here, we would be more than willing to say, hey, I'll absolutely help, but somebody probably has to ask me first. <laughs> I'd be more than willing to help just waiting for somebody to ask me for help, because I'll do it. But that's not what John is talking about here. He's saying, if you see your brother and sister in need, it's an aggressive pose, it's an offensive thing. If you see it, you're supposed to act. Christians are about action, as we see in the last verse there. It's about action. It's about going forward and being proactive. It's about outdoing each other with honor and love and respect. This is an area that I need significant help in. <laughs> I'll tell you what it means to love your brothers and sisters in need that needs, <sighs> to tell, I'll tell you what it means to love your brother and sister that is in need. It's like a cardboard box. <laughs> On my 26th birthday, I was working for a church I was an interning for, and I had to pay them to work for them. Uh, so as I was working for them, I had budgeted out my entire intern plan. And so I knew what my rent was going to cost, and I had done everything down to it, and I was living off of $50 a month in food. I got very creative with spaghetti, let me tell you. I can do a lot of things with spaghetti. I had it about four or five days a week. Um, but I had dropped down to about 137 pounds. I'm 170 pounds right now. And so the morning I woke up on my 26th birthday, I decided to sleep in. (laughs) And as I was heading to church for work, I opened up my front door and I see a cardboard box. And it says, happy birthday. No, I decided to sleep in a little bit, so I had to pick it up and bring it inside and I put it on the countertop. And I went to work. My mom came by and gave me hamburger cupcakes. <laughs> cupcakes that looked like hamburgers, that's what they were, and, and passed them all out, and she loves baking, it's great. Uh, and they were great, um, but I came home, and I finally saw the box uh, in, in the kitchen, and I brought it into my room, and I opened it up. You could guess. It was filled with food. It was filled with <laughs> spaghetti. not cooked (laughs) spaghetti sauce protein bars fruit bars cans of food and as I opened up the card that was in there all it said was we love you to this day I still have no idea who did that who was involved nobody was seeking the glory nobody was seeking the thank you they just saw a brother in in need and they wanted to help and as I opened up that, the rest of that envelope, there was a $50 gift card to Safeway and a $50 gift card to Raley's and a $50 gift card to Blue Nami and a $50 gift card to Walmart and a $250 Visa card. In total, it was $550 of gift cards of radical love for a brother. How radical is your love for each other? John 13, 31 says, A new command I give you to love one another, this is a command, as I have loved you, so you must love one another. 1 John 4, 12 through 13 says, no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us, that he has given us his spirit, his spirit of the Holy Spirit, but also his spirit of grace and of love and of truth. Is your love for people a reflection of God's love for you? Is your cup so filled with the love of Christ that it overflows into love for his children? It's a question I have for you today. But the verse continues on, the great commandment does continue on, doesn't it? We talked about the second part, now let's talk about the first part. This is how we know we belong to the truth and how we have set our hearts to rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts for he knows everything. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God and we receive anything from him that we ask because we keep his commands. We keep his commands. And we can think about that as the Ten Commandments. Sure, but if that's the Ten Commandments, what is the first four is our relationship with God and and the last six of the Ten Commandments are a relationship with people. And Jesus took ten and brought them down to two where the Israelites took 10 and made them into 613. (laughs) Jesus took the 10 and brought them down to two. But really, if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, you will love your neighbor, won't you? You will love the things that God loves. We need to get this part right, first and foremost, and above all, our love for Christ. And this is his command, to believe in his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commands us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know by the spirit that he gave us. The writer of this particular passage is John. as the name of the book. But John lived in Jerusalem 40 years after the after Christ rose from the dead, and he stayed there to help Mary. Shortly before the temple was destroyed, he moved to Ephesus. It's generally believed that in Ephesus, it's the only letter that Paul wrote where he didn't say, you guys are messing up. It's the the only letter he said, you guys are doing great. (laughs) Here's some encouragement. And a lot of church leaders and people believe that's because of John's presence there. that He was teaching others like uh, Polycarp and Ignatius, early church fathers who were so connected and tied to John, who was connected to Jesus. And after the temple was destroyed by the decree of the emperor Domitian, he was exiled to the island of Patmos, which is where he wrote these three letters, John, 1 John 1, 2, and 3, and the book of Revelation. And yet, after 60 or 70 years, I don't know how old this guy was, hes pretty old, um, 60 or 70 years after, his, after Christ had risen, Into heaven, John wrote some of the most profound relational ties about our relationship with Christ. He says this John 15, I am the true vine, and my Father is the fine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because the words that I have spoken to you abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, you, uh, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. This is Jesus talking. John understood the importance of this passage And Jesus was talking about a cluster of grapes. We see here that if we're attached to the vine, there's that one vine right there, where all the nutrients, all the sustenance, everything, all the energy that goes into building the fruit has to be attached to the vine. It cannot not be. John is saying, don't. And Jesus is saying, don't try taping on fruit because it's going to die if it's not attached to the vine. We need to learn what it means to abide in Christ. We need to learn what it means to have a relationship with Jesus that is life-giving, that is transforming. We need to understand that everything, a part of our sanctification, our growth, um, because of of our relationship with Christ, everything in our life needs to revolve around attaching ourselves to the vine so that we can bear much fruit in this world. So how does one grow deeper in a love for Christ? What does it mean? Or how does one abide in Christ? How does one abide in Christ? First of all, he is so good. Christ is so good that he loves you and he desires to have a real relationship with you. He does. Are you willing to listen to the voice of God calling you to go deeper and deeper still? I don't know where you are today in your relationship with God. But I can promise you this, that me or Brian or Jim, any pastor on this earth, God is calling us to go deeper still, and you too. Are you listening to the voice of Jesus saying, I love you, and I want you to go deeper still with me? Number two, that being closer has never and not ever been about doing more Christian works. I hear this all the time. That I feel far away from God, I just need to read my Bible more. I feel far away from God, I just need to pray more. And those things are good, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, you should do that, right? But it's literally spending time in his presence. It's about inviting ourselves in, it's about posturing ourselves to receive Christ into our hearts without any expectation or anything else but to simply enjoy his presence and to listen to what he may want to have to say to us. And it starts with a prayer. It starts with a prayer. It goes something like this. Jesus, right now, even while I'm on stage, even as they are sitting in the audience, Lord, I pray that even right now at this moment, that you would meet us here, that you would teach us what it means to really fall in love with you, that you would transform our human heart into one that is supernatural, that, it, that is all about loving you and about loving people. Lord, I know we've heard the great commandment before, but can we take it another level deeper? Do we need to learn what it means to have radical love? And so Lord, we invite you in we invite you into our hearts. We invite you in to transform us even now. And when we go home in our beds, in our work, at our work, as we're driving home, anytime, all the time, may we be transformed by your presence. May us learn how to rest in your presence. May us learn how to rest in your love in your grace and your truth. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.